Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did to create this ad. To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Okay, I have no idea what's happening, but I'm giving you a point for that because that is such the wrong vibes book. Parker from Thunderbirds looks wild. Round four. Welcome, fellow sleuths, to Meddling Adults, a game show where we grab our random professors of yesteryear and go head-to-head to test our wits against the prowess of fictional young detectives for charity. I'm your host, Mike Schubert. I'm notoriously bad at solving children's mysteries, which is why I am safely behind the judges' table, letting others duke it out instead. And duke it out is what will happen in this episode, because what I've been trying to do on the season of Meddling Adults is just amplify folks that would have a playful rivalry, whether that's folks who are on a podcast together or folks that are in a relationship together. And today, I have checked both boxes. We have the dynamic duo that is in the same flat currently, but in different rooms for audio purposes. You may know them both from their wonderful work on Wooden Overcoats and many other podcasts and other things in the audio world outside of podcasting. So many wonderful things made by these wonderful humans. It's Beth Eyre and David K. Barnes. Beth and David, how is it going? Woo! It's going really well. I'm very excited to be here. Splendid. <laughs> I'm very excited to have the two of you here. Today's mysteries that we will be covering are from Scooby-Doo, specifically the 2003 to 2006 reboot of Scooby-Doo, What's New Scooby-Doo. And before recording, I did learn that David is a bit of a Scooby-Doo fiend, citing off some things that I didn't even know, talking about Scooby-Doo ripoffs. But thankfully, when I mentioned that these are from What's New Scooby-Doo, I believe your exact quote was, oh, fuck, I don't know anything about those. So if this were Captain Caveman and the Teen Angels, we'd be fine. (laughs) But it isn't. And I'm not. (laughs) I thought I was going to pull one up on both of you because I was like, ah, ha, ha, the British folks. I'll do the American show and we'll be safe. Uh, I'm not doing, you know, whatever the British version of the Hardy Boys is. So I thought this would be a very secure thing. But no, apparently at least one of you is a big Scooby-Doo head. Both of you, what is your history with mysteries? Did you read mystery books, watch mystery shows? What's the uh, background for each of you? So I don't think I listened to a whole load of mysteries or read a whole load of mysteries. I did read like Sherlock Holmes cover to cover when I was a kid. Oh, duh. Okay, I should have said that as the British. <laughs> what famous British detective what, is who there? Even are oh. there? What detective? Oh my goodness! <laughs> but despite that, I am like, notoriously bad at seeing plot twists coming and guessing mm. correctly. I have watched a bit of Scooby Doo on the old Cartoon Network, but 
It's been a long time, and I definitely haven't watched any of the new stuff. Okay. But I'm sure tonight I will be brilliant nevertheless, and that my luck is about to change. <gasps> that would be good. I like the confidence. What yeah. about you, David? Like Beth, every Sherlock Holmes. Of course, I read every Agatha Christie. Mm. I've watched every episode of Columbo. Oh, Columbo. wow. There's the show where in the first five minutes you see the murder being committed and who did it. And you know what? At the end... 60% of the time, I remember who it is. <laughs> I'm ready for this, is what I'm saying. Oh, I'm a professional. Gosh. A professional. You're sounding very confident. Oh, man. Well, look, if you do defeat David, it will only be more fun and the bragging rights will be even more raised. Absolutely. And this is exactly I'm why I wanted down. this pairing. I'm very excited for it. So here's how the game works. I'll be recapping three quick mysteries from the wonderful children's but truly all-ages television program, What's New Scooby-Doo? Neither of you have seen these mysteries ahead of time. I will lay out all the clues. I'll ask for your accusations. Each correct guess of culprit will earn you points, but there are also bonus points at stake. If your guess matches my incorrect guess, you will earn a Misery Loves Company bonus point, since I am often wrong in trying to guess these mysteries. And then I'll also throw around bonus points for anything that just makes me happy, whether that is a particularly good or wild or silly guess or any sort of dad pun or joke or anything like that. Look, we got to have some happiness here in the world. So if I'm throwing around bonus points to brighten my day at least, let's do it. And if the score is tied at the end of these three rounds, we will break the tie in the only fitting way, which is a sudden death riddle. But we will see if it even gets to that. Now, this is a show for charity. So obviously we got to figure out what charities each of you are playing for. So I'll start with you, David. Which organization will you be playing for today? I'm playing for Action Aid, which is a charity which works internationally to combat poverty and specifically women in poverty. That's the charity I'm fighting for today. That's great. What about you, Beth? I'm playing for a charity called Rainbow Migration. It's a UK-based charity that supports LGBTQI plus people through the asylum and immigration system. That's also fantastic. No matter who ends up winning, a good organization will be supported. But now that everything in the introduction is taken care of, let's put the pedal to the metal and get to our first mystery, which is called Gold Paw. Mm. Now we open on a truck stocked with gold entering Fort Knox. Are you two Brits familiar with Fort Knox? Oh, absolutely. From Golden Goldfinger, thing. that's correct. Yes. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> I, I assume, if my knowledge of that film is correct, that Fornox is currently being guarded by a man with a killer bowler hat. Yo, you know, odd job, right? He's in that one. He's got the big yep. uh, throw the hat around and murder people with it. Yeah, look, I haven't seen that movie. I also know basically nothing about Fort Knox except for like the stereotypical stuff. I'm like, that's where the gold is, right? Like Similar. that's where my knowledge starts and ends. Yeah. But thankfully, it's not crucial to this mystery. <laughs> okay. <laughs> now we see two army guys inspecting this gold delivery that came in. And one of the army guys is voiced by the same guy who does Johnny Bravo's voice, which I thought was fantastic. Oh, amazing. And <laughs> out from the gold comes this golden man who turns one of the army guys into a solid gold statue. The other army guy tries to run off but then he is also turned into gold and then we cut to the theme song which is a pop punk remix made by simple plan which is perfect and every time the streaming service asks if i want to skip the intro i laugh in its face the <laughs> gang are now on their way to fort knox they are meeting with one of their friends who has shown up in a couple of episodes mr b he is the owner of six puppies called the secret six they've shown up in some other episodes of what's new scooby-doo they're basically six very adorable puppies and Apparently, the gang's going to go hang out with him at Fort Knox. 
Upon arriving, the soldiers have them go through this ridiculous amount of checks to make sure that they are safe to enter. They do find contraband, which is a box of Scooby snacks taped underneath the mystery machine. And then Shaggy angrily tells Scooby, oh, so that's where your secret stash is. (laughs) Send him to prison. Send him to jail straight away. Yeah. Look, thankfully, they end up getting a pass because they're friends with Mr. B, who oh, somehow corruption. has a big tie-in with, uh, yep, mm-hmm, uh, classic, exactly. Hey, look, it is an American mystery. <laughs> yeah. So the the general then gives them clearance. They each receive an almost all-access pass, and he apologizes for the whole search situation, saying that they had to increase security due to the gold monster. The gang, of course, asks, what's the gold monster? And they explain basically what happened in the introduction. So the general and Mr. B take them to check out the puppies. The gang is very impressed with how well-trained the puppies are. They do this cute little thing where they're all in little army uniforms and they have bones and basically do like one of those 21-gun salute things but with bones and they're like twirling them around. Absolutely adorable. Absolutely adorable. Cute and terrifying. (laughs) Yeah, the military budget must be really poor if this is what we need to guard Fort Knox right now. <sighs> well, or it's one of those things where our military budget is just too high. So they're like, yeah, we can spend on training <laughs> tiny dogs. Like they're <laughs> tiny little puppies. They are not dogs. They are cute and adorable. And <laughs> I am not surprised that our government is wasting money. It's kind of our thing. Now, they are being trained, the puppies, by Drill Sergeant Payne. He has put them into tip-top shape. He's very much one of those like, sir, yes, sir type dudes. Shaggy and Scooby, watching all of this, they get really hungry. Of course they do. And the general says, oh, you should go check out the mess hall. It's the green building around the corner. And of course, since it's an army situation, every building is green. So they try (laughs) to find the mess hall and they accidentally stumble into the place where the gold is stored. There's an elevator and one of the floors says gold level on it. And it does have like a gold plaque and button and stuff so they push it and it says access denied so they get to that floor and then when they try to get into the gold room it says access denied scooby then digs underneath the floor and then digs out the other end and then they're just in the gold room so the security not good astonishing nobody has ever thought of doing that before (laughs) right digging through (laughs) i'm sorry fort knox is spending all of presumably americans tax dollars on training puppies to fire guns but they haven't got a steel floor in fort knox it's just what are their priorities what are they playing at they deserve to have the gold stone (laughs) The floor from the cartoon does look like it is made of steel. I think Scooby-Doo just Good thinking Lord. the food is on the other side of the door is an unstoppable force. Yeah. I think that's Absolutely truly what it fair. is. Okay. They could not have expected a talking dog that can burrow through steel. He is invincible when he's hungry. I retract my criticism. (laughs) Thank you, thank you, thank you. Also, just a clarification, the dogs were not trained with guns. They were doing a 21-gun salute with big bones, so they are still dog stuff. That that makes it okay. That's That's a sensible procedure. (laughs) And they're being trained by Drill Sergeant Payne, right? Sergeant Payne. Yes, Drill Sergeant Payne. Very good. So Shaggy and Scooby dig in, and they get on the other side. They think gold level might mean, oh, this is where the best food is. And when they get there, it's just the stuff for all of the gold. And of course, Shaggy and Scooby are very disappointed. They're like, oh, no food, just gold. What are we going to do with this? It's fantastic. Good. Good. (laughs) Now, when they get there, of course, the monster shows up and Shaggy sets off an alarm and then the monster flees the scene and the gang and the army folk arrive. They explain what happens and everything and they leave there. Later at night, we have Fred, Daphne, and Velma looking for the monster while Shaggy and Scooby go and visit the Secret Six puppies and they're just going to hang out with them instead of going out into where things could be scary. 
Fred sees someone running around and catches him, thinking that it's the monster, but it turns out to be Travis Knox. Drill Sergeant Payne explains that this guy sneaks onto the base all the time. Travis claims that he owns the land and vows to reclaim it, saying it was taken away against his will by the army, and that's why it's called Fort Knox, because he owns the land. I don't know much about Fort Knox. I think that's probably fictional, but yeah. the government taking away land from people, not oh, yeah. fictional at all. Yeah, Super par for the core. <laughs> I still think that Travis's claim is legally shaky. You do? But I'm sure. happy for him to make it. Happy to make it. After all, they are manning Fort Knox with dogs of bones as defence. I think Travis Knox should certainly rock on up and try his best. He's got every well, he chance. He's frequently, of this apparently. Yeah, he keeps turning up. Yeah, he does keep turning up. The security shaky at best. Scooby and Shaggy then get woken up by these nighttime exercise explosions. This is something that happened earlier where they mention exercises and Shaggy and Scooby think they mean like physical things. But they do these explosion type exercises like every hour on the hour. So they get woken up by the ones at night. And when they do wake up from the explosions, they see that the puppies are missing. So they decide to go out and look for the puppies. Of course, while they're looking for the puppies, they run into the gold monster who then chases after them using a golden tank, which is... Pretty cool. and Sorry, a golden tank? A golden tank, yes. Uh, you know. Where's he been hiding that? That Fort Knox has. They should have led with that. <laughs> I guess in one of those green buildings. <laughs> there are too many gold buildings for us to check them all. <laughs> There's just so many. We don't know what's in all these things. So the rest of the gang is able to save Shaggy and Scooby using a helicopter because infinite funding at this place. Shaggy and Scooby then tell them that the puppies are missing and they do come across Drill Sergeant Payne frozen as a golden statue. So they are worried for him. They go back to the barracks and the puppies are back in bed which they find confusing. But they notice that the puppies have dirt on their paws, which is also confusing. Velma points out that Drill Sergeant Payne had a security badge for the secret device development lab on him. So Fred, Daphne, and Velma go to check out that lab. Shaggy, Scooby, and the pups then are going to go into the town surrounding Fort Knox, just like a classic touristy town for people that want to visit Fort Knox. I guess they do tours and stuff. So Shaggy and Scooby are very excited to go there because since it's a tourist trap town, there will be lots of food that they can eat. So they're super stoked about being nominated for this task. Naturally, very good. I assume they've swiped some of the gold from earlier to be able to pay for as much food as they want, because that's what they could do with that gold. I don't think they think like that. <laughs> yeah, it's also just the world of Scooby-Doo somehow, Shaggy and Scooby, never never pay for food. No. They just always acquire food. It comes to them. I, I, I don't think I've ever seen a transaction take place. No. <laughs> I assume, in, I've not been to America for a long time, but I assume that you could walk into any common or garden deli on a street corner and just drop a bar of solid gold bullion and get a sandwich. <laughs> Am I wrong? Look, I've never tried it, so I can't <laughs> prove you So wrong. I could be right. So I'm going to assume I am. You could be right. Yeah. Look, you're, you're I guess, uh, full of food until proven hungry in this country. <laughs> <laughs> so I think it's valid. <laughs> yeah. So they go to Travis's store, which is basically just like a place where he has petitions to try to get Fort Knox back to its rightful owner, him. Oh. Shaggy agrees to sign the petition, and he asks if the gold in Fort Knox also belongs to Travis as well. Travis says that it is, gets really angry, just super upset that the army took his land and some of his gold. Now, meanwhile, the others go to that secret development lab and they find the general in there. This is the general who was there in the beginning of the mystery with Mr. B, gave him the whole search down and everything. Was the guy voiced by the guy who played Johnny Bravo, was he gold eyes at the beginning or is he still kicking about? He was golden 
statuized in the intro, and we have not heard from him since. That's but the actor who does do the Johnny Bravo voice shows up in some episodes here and there oh. for Scooby-Doo, so it's great. The voice acting talent that they get on this show is out of this world. And in some of these other mysteries, I will have bonus point questions for can you tell me who this actor is? <laughs> so get ready, because some of the voices are fantastic. So when the general asks them, what are you doing in here? Velma says, well, we could ask you the same question. And he goes, I'm the general. I'm in charge. I can do whatever I want. And she goes, good point. Now, they see him next to some sort of goo. And he explains that it is shutdown goo, which is an expandable goo that traps anything that it covers. And Velma finds it interesting. And it is gold looking. So we would maybe think, okay, maybe these people aren't getting turned into golden statues. They are getting covered in this golden goo that freezes them in place. Back in town, we see Shaggy Scooby and the puppies stop by the Gold Aid Soft Drink Factory. So like a big soda factory for Gold Aid. And they meet their owner. The owner's name is Sue Kroos. Which, oh, the nominative determinism is really, really good. Sue Kroos which, if anyone doesn't get it, is a sugar joke. She explains (laughs) that if the army doesn't stop these explosion exercises that they do every hour, that she's going to have to shut down the factory. They're just too distracting. No one wants to go on tours of the factory, all these sorts of things where it's just like disrupting her process. People don't want to work for her because it's so annoying. All sorts of problems caused by these explosions. She says, though, that the general won't meet with her. He won't take her calls. She's trying everything to get his attention, and it's just not working. Back at the fort, Fred has gotten his hands on a pair of heat vision goggles, and he sees some paw prints that you can't normally see with the naked eye. They lead into the gold room, so they follow him in there, and then we see the gold monster there as well. Get a classic chase scene. They end up running past Shaggy Scooby and the puppies who have returned to the base. They go into the mess hall. The monster corners them. One of the puppies lunges for the monster, but then gets turned into a gold statue. The rest of the puppies then bark and scare the monster away, but They're all worried for one of the puppies, which is called 14 Carrot. So (laughs) of all of the puppies, they all have like money-based names. Of all of the puppies to get turned into gold, at least it was the one thematically relevant, unlike some of the other puppies, Bling Bling being one of them. That would make sense if Bling Bling (laughs) turned into Diamond. (laughs) Yeah. But to be fair, you know, that puppy is now probably worth far more as a golden statue than it was before. True, but you can't put a price on adorableness, can you? Yeah, David. (laughs) No, you're right. I've never done that. (laughs) (laughs) So then the gang hears an alarm outside, and they see that Sue Kroos has parachuted into Fort Knox. I know. They really need to get the security more in line here. She has parachuted in because she thinks it's the only way that the general will talk to her. She says, you know, you won't meet with me. This is what I got to do. If you don't stop these explosions, you're going to run me out of business. The general says, fine, I'll meet with you. Let's go over to army jail and they take her to the stockade along with him and they're going to have a meeting apparently. Fred says, okay, we got to find this monster and solve this mystery. So they keep looking for clues. In the gold room, the puppies lead the gang to a tunnel that is behind one of the big towers of gold. And then the monster sees them going inside, but the gang doesn't see that they are being followed. They wonder if someone is trying to break into the fort. And if they did, why wouldn't they steal the gold? Then they hear some rumblings in the caves, which is the gold monster coming in and, you know, punching some of the walls, I guess, to like form an avalanche to trap them in there. And a cave in separates Fred, Daphne and Velma from Shaggy, Scooby and the six little puppies. Fred tells Shaggy, go back to the gold room and 
look for a map and try to get us out of here. So they end up doing all of this and trying to figure it all out. The trapped ones, meanwhile, they find another end of the tunnel and it leads out of Fort Knox oh. and into the Gold Aid factory. Huh. Oh, well, that's suspicious. Very suspicious. Mm-hmm. Very. Velma, upon seeing this, says, oh, someone is trying to get out of Fort Knox. They're not trying to get into Fort Knox. So then they do the classic whole, okay, we got to trap the monster and unmask them, all that sort of stuff. You do the whole chasing, you do the whole trap, and they are able to unmask the monster. So I turned it over to the two of you. Who do you think is behind it? Who's the gold monster? Okay. Who are our suspects? Sue Kroos. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Presumably, that's definitely a suspect. Yeah. Yep. Sue Kroos, Gold Aid Factory. Mm-hmm. She cares about her drinks. And with a name like that, she can't change profession. She just wants no. somebody <laughs> to talk to her about these explosions. And she has a tunnel leading to her place. Yeah. That's brilliant. Mm-hmm. There's but then Travis. there's Travis Knox. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Travis Knox, who owns the land, inverted commas, and owns some of the gold, in inverted commas. And he's called Knox. And he's called Knox. So that's two people with names with a lot, with a lot of grievance there. (laughs) I mean, Sergeant Payne, he was turned into gold, but is he, I mean, he could be, I mean, he had access to the lab. He had a pass to the experimental lab. Yes. So he had a pass to the lab and then he was the one training the puppies and stuff. But he is gold now. At least from what we saw. But then we did see that he might not, you know, that it's this like gold goo that doesn't actually turn you gold but speaking of the gold goo we also have the general as a potential suspect absolutely just he's got access all over the place he was there in the beginning he was refusing to meet with sue cross etc etc and it is quite suspicious that he's called the general (laughs) yeah i don't know if we get a full name on him (laughs) i'll see if he has a uh, a name (laughs) that's just quite sinister yeah, because I think we've got people with genuine grievances, mainly against, it would seem, the government, the US government, the state and the military. And then we just have the general. Mm-hmm. According to the episode description, he is General Niedermeyer, if that makes okay. you more or less suspicious of him. Okay. <laughs> An absolute pen pusher who is furious at being relegated to looking after a place that can the security can be breached by a local factory owner with a parachute. He should be somewhere else. Should be somewhere else. He's annoyed he's there. Here is a fun fact, though. The general is voiced by the same guy who does Johnny Bravo. It's just a voice so different I didn't clock it. This guy (laughs) did multiple voices in this episode, and I guess his scared army dude voice was exactly Johnny Bravo's voice. And then the general's just like, grumbly general. That's awesome. (laughs) That is a man with something to hide. It's him. Him. He did it. He's the person. That's what you're going for? I... Deeply suspicious man. He's got access. He, he he knows what the golden goo is. He knows it can do stuff. He's annoyed at these people crashing in mm. on his on his uh, probably his military pension. Probably isn't very good. He's got he's voiced by Johnny Bravo. There's lots of reasons there. Lots of reasons. I think this is open and shut. That's your guess. All right, Beth. Who do you think it is? I think in the ultimate team up of people with nominative determinative names it is sucrose in league with travis knox Good they one. are having Ooh. a two-pronged attack where if she can't get the general round a table to actually have a meeting about the explosions then travis knox is going to become gold and run about terrifying everyone in the hope that that will I don't know, make them close fort knox that seems unlikely something will change and she will get her way yeah. 
Okay. All right. The guesses are in. I'm happy to say that you will both be getting points, but they are both bonus points because neither of you got the correct guess. David matched my incorrect guess. I always just guess the first person you meet. So I thought it was the general (laughs) because in old Scooby-Doo episodes, that was the formula. But... Beth, I gave you a bonus point just because I like you thinking that it was a team up. I think that's very fun to try to make it more complex. But the actual correct answer is that it was Sergeant Payne. Sergeant Payne. It was Sergeant Payne. He had faked it. Yes, he'd faked it. Sergeant Payne, what he wanted to do was go from being an army man to a businessman. Mm -hmm. He wanted to take over the Gold Aid factory, so he wanted to slowly drive Sucrose out of business. So he knew that she was already upset with all of the explosions and stuff. And what he wanted to do was teach these puppies to dig. So the puppies, that's why they had the dirt on their paws. He was training them to dig tunnels late at night so that they could get into the Gold Aid factory and basically get the secret ingredient to Gold Aid. He did also have the access to the goo, so he was using that to cover things in gold and make it look like things were turning into gold statues. And he was doing the explosions every hour on the hour. He had control of that in order to drive her to the point of giving up. Oh, exactly. So exactly. Mm-hmm. If he has yeah. access to this incredible goovy, why doesn't he just sell that to a foreign <laughs> power? That would get him David, so much because more money. he wants to go into retail. Yeah, he does. <laughs> Sucrose. What a fiend! <laughs> Sugary drinks. Oh, oh man. So at the end of the first round, the score is tied at one to one. As we get into our second mystery. Our second mystery is called E-Scream. And now normally these episode titles are puns of sorts. And Gold Paw, I guess, is like close enough to Golden Eye or something. E-Scream, I was like, what is that? But the opening scene, we see the Los Angeles Convention Center ready for the video game conference, which is just called The Video Game Conference. And I was like, oh, this is a really bad E3 joke. Oh. Here we go. E-Scream. <laughs> So our opening scene has two nerds at the convention center after hours playing with these Asomon creatures who start out as very cute but then grow very vicious. So think gremlins Mm -hmm. slash gizmo beforehand. Okay. And they chase them away and then we cut to the theme song, which of course I did not skip. All I did was turn up the volume by a lot. The gang is then driving to Los Angeles for this same convention. We see that Shaggy and Scoopy are cosplaying and then we also see that Fred and Daphne are cosplaying, leaving Velma as the only one not down to nerd out for the convention. Good lord, really? Yeah. I thought Velma would be all over it. Right? You would think she's a nerd, but she does establish herself as a book nerd. She Ah. wants to just go in. She goes, all right, whatever. I'll just find a quiet place to read. And then the convention is so chaotic, she cannot find a quiet place to read. Very good subversion of the expectation there. You know, saying, look, there are different types of nerd. I appreciate that. I like what they've done there. Exactly. There's all different types of nerds. You can even have, and I'm a big proponent of just like using nerd as a compliment and just saying like, you can be a sports nerd if you're really into a sports team. Like there's nerd should like whoever, it's a compliment. Nerd just means you're passionate about something. I don't understand people being like, oh, (laughs) yes, (laughs) as I'm sure everyone listening is Uh, because podcasts, let me tell you, (laughs) at least this one, there's very few podcasts that aren't for nerds and uh, the ones that do. Joe Rogan suck. Anyway, uh, <laughs> so we also, and I don't know the release 
order that I'm doing the episodes yet because I'm just kind of recording them all beforehand and then figuring it out after the fact. One of the people at the convention is dressed up as a Wormian, which depending on the episode order might be something you are familiar with from this podcast or not familiar with. But there is an episode where people dress up to worship a worm and they have these worm onesies. So there is a Wormian. I loved the little Easter egg that they've left in there. Nice. So the gang is all here, and then Velma runs into an old professor of hers, Professor Ostwald, and he shows her that he has a mystery virtual reality game. So it's this big room that you enter, and then using all sorts of virtual reality stuff, you can solve a mystery, and it can custom tailor it to whatever type of mystery that you want, and he keeps changing the backgrounds where it's like a classic on a train mystery and then it's like a Sherlock Holmes mystery so that's one of the things that he is presenting at the convention but they also find that he's giving a different presentation because when Velma joins up with the rest of the gang she sees them watching a presentation about these new Asamon creatures so these are the things from the introduction and Professor Ostwald is leading this talk as well. Apparently, Asomon was a video game that he made earlier that got very, very successful. So now he's trying to make like, oh, you can have real life Asomon creatures from the game. And everyone is very, very excited about this. Now, before this happened, you saw Shaggy and Scooby see this guy who was just way too into character, very much like cosplaying, but I guess Daniel Day-Lewis-ing it. He was like method cosplaying, Mm -hmm. where he wanted to save this princess who's just one of those like booth girls that's, you know, trying to get people to play the games. She's very unhappy with her job and extremely unhappy with this guy being like, oh, princess, whatever, I must save you, blah, blah, blah. She's like, oh my gosh, I... I just work here. Like that whole conversation goes down. Yeah, he sounds like a lot. Yeah. Yeah, he's quite a bit. So Professor Oswald is giving this whole presentation, showing off the creatures and stuff. And then basically what happened in the intro happens here where they start nice and then they turn evil, starts one of those classic Scooby-Doo chase scenes. And the gang gets into a room where they're all safe. And then Dr. Ostwald enters. Daphne says, look, you got to turn these things off. And Dr. Ostwald says he can't because they are made with a self-sustaining energy cell. And he thinks that someone is trying to sabotage these creatures. It's presumed that they're like robotic, not like biological. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> He thinks someone's trying to sabotage them. Maybe someone's jealous of the success or whatever. Someone's trying to sabotage him to ruin the reveal of his new Asaman creatures. Makes sense. Probably that that method acting guy. Mm. Yeah. Or it could be presumably it is Todd Howard himself on behalf of Bethesda right there trying to, uh, he's he's saying, look, you are diverting attention from the the launch of Starfall and the next uh, Elder Scrolls. I've got a game going here. Uh, You're screwing up for me, pal. And you don't do that to Todd Howard. I'm giving you a bonus point for the uh, Todd reference. I don't (laughs) know much about Todd except for just like, the McElroy's jokingly grumbling about him (laughs) on Monster Factory. So I'll take it. Uh, You're up two to one now (laughs) for the the Todd reference. Darn it. (laughs) (laughs) Now, Fred says they should stick together and look for clues. Velma is taken aback because Fred always says we should split up and look for clues. But he says it's too dangerous to split up. We, of course, get another chase scene and... After the gang gets free, they run into two businessmen named Tad and Mitch. Immediately, I cannot trust these guys. One of them is named Tad. It's just... Tad. Tad. Very close to Todd. 
Todd Howard. Oh. You can't get another point. You can't just keep saying yeah. it. I know. I, I also wanted to say, so I said Starfall earlier. It's called Starfield. And I Ooh. thought at some point my point was going to get revoked unless I unless I did that. So that's slipped that <laughs> thank in. Thank you. Thank you. I'm, seamlessly. I'm glad that I didn't have to do something where after the fact I was going to have to send you an email and be like, well, actually, <laughs> points revoked. the score was this. Uh, yeah, of course, of course. Uh, We've had a protest from the listeners. Quite right. So Tad and Mitch are very businessy. They think that they can turn all of these stunts that they just saw the gang doing in the chase scene, they could turn it into some video game and it would make big bucks. And Shaggy is like, you're going to turn our near-death experience into a video game? That's cruel. And clearly they're only focused on business. When Fred brings up Professor Oswald, the two of them are very clearly jealous of him. And they storm off in a huff, vowing to make a video game better than Asoman. Now, more of the creatures come, so we get another chase scene. They then run into zombie teenagers in the hallway, so the gang turns down a different hallway, and they hear a scream. And we see that Princess Booth girl from before, Princess Powerheart is her character's name, she is tied up, and then the overzealous dude shows up as well. We learn his name is Benji. He tries to be all valiant and untie the ropes, but he can't get them untied. Fred unties them, and being humble as he is, he goes... Look, I was just a Boy Scout. I know how to untie knots. Yay, Fred. (laughs) Yay for Fred. Fred in this series is great. He's very much just like a super nice dude, sometimes a bit of a himbo, you know, doofus, but he's beautifully lovable. I like Fred. I'm a Fred fan. Did you say zombie teenagers? Yeah, I was going to ask about that. Zombie teenagers. It's just (laughs) you just see these guys like red eyes and like very, you know, big bags under their eyes and stuff and they just kind of groan. It's not cosplay. They they are... All we see is zombie teenagers. Right, okay. Is this a coincidence? Are they going to recur? Is there another mystery going on next door that we should also be investigating at the same time? I will describe what's going on with them. But for now, I'm just saying there are zombie teenagers. Okay. So Princess Powerheart says that the Asamans tied her up and she thinks that Ostwald is out to get her. She explains that she used to work for him as a computer programmer, but he fired her and the entire team so that he could work on a secret project. And then the only job that she could get was being a booth girl. So now she's here, but she hates it. Benji vows that he would do anything to help her as she leaves, saying she just wants to get out of here. While looking for more clues, the Asamans return. Daphne loses a shoe in the process, but thankfully she is always prepared and she has a backup shoe in her bag. Velma points out that her shoes don't match now, and Daphne goes, ah, it's not a huge deal. We got a mystery to solve. Quite right. Excellent. They then bump into Tad and Mitch again, who are very proud of their new Asaman competitor little robotic toy, the Gooey-O, and it's a little red dragon that shoots off sparks. Oh, it sounds cute. It looks a little cute, but it doesn't operate as fluidly. So they leave vowing to make some tweaks and then they're going to overtake the Asaman. They leave this little prototype behind and Velma is able to take off part of it and see the mechanics inside. So she goes, "Okay, we should trap an Asaman and do the same and see, oh, maybe it's the same parts or maybe we can figure out what's going on. Hmm. Shaggy and Scooby then volunteer for their usual roles of being the live bait. Velma thinks that that is very surprising of them because usually they hate being the live bait. But then they decide to set up the whole trap. They are able to successfully trap some of the Asaman monsters. And immediately upon inspection of them, Velma knows who is behind all of this. So I turn it over to the two of you. Who do you think is behind the Asaman creature situation? That is nothing to go on. 
What's what? Oh, is... we've had loads of clues. <laughs> what are you yeah. talking about? <laughs> and also, for Shaggy and Scooby, correct me if I'm wrong, there's been no food in this particular caper at all. They must be starving. That is correct. They must be really Barely hungry. functioning. I yeah, those poor lads. I just uh, my heart goes out to them. Mm-hmm. Okay, Professor Oswald, 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 Ostwald, O S T W A L D. Game designer, clearly a bit full of himself. According to the princess, a bit of a dick as well. Yeah, mm-hmm. that could be enough of a motivation. Just being a dick, <laughs> I'd accept that. He sucks. I think he did it. That's <laughs> hey, possible. I'll take it. <laughs> There's Todd. Uh, Tat and Mitch, the businessmen who, who appear to be very jealous and can't come up with anything quite as good as him so far, but really want to. Yeah. Right, right. Then we would have Princess Powerheart maybe on a revenge kick. Could yeah. be. Or Benji on a I'm going to look like a cool hero by saving the day kick. Yeah. You know, you know there's something with Benji. He is, uh, he is a bit of a sort of milady sort of like, you know, white knight type. You absolutely nailed it. Those are a thousand percent the vibes that yeah. he gives off in the episode. I don't think he's Parker from like Thunderbirds. Is that what you're doing? No, that's a diff- that's a very different reference. That's- <laughs> I'm Googling Parker from Thunderbirds, and depending on what shows up. Milady. Okay, I have no idea what's happening, but right. I'm giving you a point for that, because that is such Outrageous. the wrong vibes, but yeah. Parker from Thunderbirds looks wild. Yeah, <laughs> You have to explain your Milady reference then, because I do not understand. I think we could be here for another half an hour if we did, but let's just assume <laughs> that we both have an idea in our heads which can equally work. For the context of this episode. Yes, and Fine. this is you can have a honor code system here where if you both come to the same answer independently, that is okay. Yes. I trust it here. Also, Beth, a milady thing is like one of those like neckbeard type dudes that like thinks the friend zone is real and is one of those things where it's like, well, if I'm nice to a girl, they oh, must date me because that's you. how it works. Yeah. It's, it's yeah, very it's different from a butler vibe, to yeah. the upper classes. He speaks like that. That's that's very different. Yeah. <laughs> okay, good. Sorry, right. I gave you the bonus point because that guy, that little puppet looks cool. But, He's I, a think, cool I think. Parker from Thunderbirds is the British version of a neckbeard milady. Oh, that's dark. Ah. That's a dark take on, on Thunderbirds, which is not in the text, unless... The two Jerry Anderson puppet show fans listening to this podcast, they've just switched off. Why am I defending the... Thunderbirds? Pick your suspect, David. Yeah, I, I, I'm going to have to think about this, but uh, Beth, I think, you, uh, you know, I think you've probably got a, a good clue. Okay. In that case, I am... Going with Professor Ostwald, I think. All right. Sadly, Velma's mentor has spiraled out of control in recent years. He's just determined to make things better and better and stronger and stronger and damn the cost. He fired everybody because he wants to make super scary, monstery things. And mm-hmm. yeah, and that's why Velma knew when she looked at the inside of the thing that it had to be him because she knows his work. Okie dokie. What about you doing? Part of me would like to lean towards Benji because he just seems like an unutterable creep and I want him to get his just dessert somehow. <laughs> and I'll be annoyed if it is him because I'm going to go with Princess. Ah. I think he used to be a programmer for Oscar. So she doesn't like this chap anyway for ah. so many good reasons. She's now stuck on a zero hours contract, most likely, at this expo, being poured over by horrible creeps like Benji. I think she's probably at this stage got a bit of a vendetta against the video games industry. And I think she's taking out her rage in this fashion. She'll bring it all down. She's going to bring it all down. Mm-hmm. I, for one, am with her on that because this particular Video Games Expo doesn't seem to be about video games at all. It seems to be about merchandising opportunities. And that is not the purity of gaming. That is not right. <laughs> I think neither of us are right. <laughs> oh, oh, my gosh. Well, I'm happy to say that. 
Beth, you were correct. It oh, is fuck. Dr. Oswald. Now it, it, it was a little different, but I don't think a rational person would be able to guess this without thinking it, or at least without watching the episode and having some more visual clues. It was Dr. Oswald, but it was actually all a mystery inside his mystery game. <gasps> Velma never actually left his giant VR mystery reality game thing. Whoa. The way that she knew is because there were the little things that didn't make sense about her friends. Fred wanting to stick together and not split up. Oh. Daphne not being bothered by her shoes not matching. Oh. And Shaggy and Scooby volunteering to be the live band. Yeah. And David, you made a great point that they didn't eat food they, the they entire food. episode. Yeah. What once she leaves, you see Shaggy and Scooby eating all of the food, like so thank many God. snacks. Okay, so they God. get it in in the episode. But Beth, I'm still giving you the full three points because you Yay. were able to identify who exactly was behind it. Fair. If one of you did say that the whole thing was a simulation, I would have given you an unprecedented five points because yeah. that's just like an absolute home run Quite hit. Right. That but is really cool, though. <laughs> it was it was pretty sweet. It was, it was a cool one. Now, that leaves our score at five to two in favor of Beth as we go into our little mid-episode break where we'll talk about updates with the show, potential sponsor stuff, maybe some other cool things going on, and then we'll come back for our third and final mid Mystery. Fellow sleuths, welcome to Middling Adults, the mid-roll break for meddling adults. Just wanted to pop in here to first remind you that we do have meddling adults merchandise available, and that merch also helps raise money for charity. If you go to meddlingadults.com slash merch, you can get one of two items. We have the Idaville baseball tees in the style of Sally Kimball sweater from an old Encyclopedia Brown book. And then we also have a digital item. We have a replay of a New York City live show that I performed with Kelly and Johnny Frolicstein as the guests, and we did some wonderful mysteries from three different series, all live in New York. There was a multicam setup. There was someone operating the camera, so it's very dynamic. It was very fun, and you can get that as well at meddlingadults.com merch. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you to everyone who has joined the Patreon. Some folks have resumed their patronage now that we are back in season. That is very cool. We've got some new folks as well, so you can join that team also and get ad-free episodes at patreon.com slash meddling adults. Also, if I finish the episodes early, I upload them early so you can get early access as well. And then if Patreon isn't your thing, you can always do a one-time donation at paypal.me slash meddling adults. And that also goes towards the winning charities from this season. So speaking of this season, let's get back to this episode of meddling adults. Before we get back to the episode, you'll hear a few ads that also help raise money for charity. Some of the ads will be read by me. Others of them won't. The ones that are not read by me are inserted Locally, they might be in your country's native language, so you might hear an ad in not English, depending on where you're listening to this episode. And if the sponsor is a weird company that doesn't feel like the right vibe, please email meddlingadults at gmail.com and I will get that sponsor squashed. I put up as many filters as I can, but sometimes things sneak through. So once those ads are complete, we will conclude this episode of Meddling Adults.
And we're back, and we are here for the final mystery of the episode, which is called A Terrifying Round with a Menacing Clown. Now, this is not any sort of pun, but this <laughs> is an episode of What's New Scooby-Doo that is based around mini-golf. Oh. Do they have putt-putt mini-golf? Do you guys call it something weird and silly over in the UK? Because <laughs> I feel like when America and the UK have silly names for things, we like to argue about which silly name is more correct, even though they're both silly. What do you guys call putting-only golf over there? Is that mini golf? I think we call it, we might call it crazy golf, which seems odd, doesn't it? But Lee Carvello's putting challenge. Yeah, with like little windmills and stuff. I've definitely heard crazy golf as a term here in the States too. Maybe it's one that like isn't aging as well. <laughs> exactly, exactly. This is my thought. Maybe we call it mini golf as well. It does feel like the Scooby Gang's uh, ambitions have sunk over these episodes. They were investigating Fort Knox two episodes ago, and yes. now they're investigating mm -hmm. presumably a slightly haunted crazy golf course. Maybe they're not investigating it. Maybe they're just playing mini golf. Well, here you go. Here's how the mystery begins. We first start with two kids, Ned and Stacy, playing after hours mini golf at Putt-Putt Paradise. Oh, is that what you call it, eh? I mean, that's a, okay, sure. <laughs> Ned and Stacy, after hours crazy golf. Well, okay. <laughs> Stacy wants to go home, but Ned wants to stay because apparently he made a hole-in-one on the last hole, which is a robotic clown hole. And it's supposed to give you a free game token if you get a hole-in-one. And he did it, but the token never dispensed. Okay. So he's going to try to get a hole-in-one again so if he can get his token. He does it. He sinks the putt. Nothing happens. He's very upset. He pokes the clown in the nose with his putter. And then after Stacy says, hey, you shouldn't do that, he goes, come on, it's supposed to give me a token. The giant clown comes to life. It raises up and then it swallows him whole. And then it goes after Stacy, and then we cut to the theme song. So much just happened. <laughs> That's quite yeah. so <laughs> much. I think there's a missed trick. Robotic clown hole should have been the name of this episode. I don't think so. I <laughs> Is that a pun of sorts or just straight up robotic clown hole? I think it's just straight up. I think it's just it's whatever you want to read into it. It's whatever you want to read. So we cut to the International Putt-Putt Championship being presided over the mayor of Nice Rapids, which I believe is an American Grand Rapids joke. So they are not in Grand Rapids, Michigan. They're in Nice Rapids somewhere oh, okay. else. Okay, Nice Rapids. And here's our first voice actor bonus point question. The voice actor for the mayor is John O'Hurley. Do either of you know who John O'Hurley is? No, I'm afraid I don't. Ooh, I don't think so. He is Jay Peterman from Seinfeld, the guy who talks like this when he does all of the things like the yes. amazing white hair, uh. that guy. Now, he's basically doing his Jay Peterman voice for the mayor. It's fantastic. Now, this International Putt-Putt Championship tournament is at Putt-Putt Paradise, which we saw in the intro. We learned that Putt-Putt Paradise is the biggest mini golf course in the world. And Shaggy is brought on stage to speak as he is the reigning champion and, according to the mayor, a mini golf icon. So, Beth, you were right. They're just here to play. They're just here to play golf. Who knew that Shaggy was a champion mini golf putt-putt champion mini? <laughs> Why is he spending his time going around trying to steal sandwiches from Fort Knox and other people's kitchens <laughs> when he could be making all of his earnings? Clearly. He really could. He goal. really, really could. He's already got these titles. He'll be showered with sandwiches. <laughs> Surely. Shaggy, get your priorities in order. He could get sponsored by a sandwich company, Absol even. The, sp 
sponsorship. How many <laughs> podcasts would sponsor that man? <laughs> I would at least. This show would definitely try to sponsor him. Get a little, get a get a meddling adults, you know, logo on his hat or something. That'd be good. Absolutely, That'd be really good. Oh, so he is brought on stage, and of course, Scooby is his caddy. He has an entire golf bag just for his one putter. It's great. Good guy. The mayor then brings up Miranda Wright, who is rapidly rising the ranks in the putt putt world. And she trash talks Shaggy and Scooby when (laughs) Shaggy tries to be nice to her. So Shaggy, still a good dude. We love to see that. Now, the mayor also introduces the third competitor in the championship round here. It is a celebrity golfer for this year's tournament. His name is Cougar Forrest, and he's introduced as a pro golfer. And I Googled this thinking, oh, sometimes they get celebrities to come on and voice themselves. I wonder if Cougar Forrest is a real golfer. And after Googling it, I then immediately realized it's a Tiger Tiger Woods Woods. joke. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. a Tiger Woods joke. <laughs> Very good. Very good. It's really good. Cougar Forest, that is a pretty uh, outlet name. I love it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, and they do this a lot. There's an episode with a Jane Goodall stand-in, and they call her Joan Goodsum, mm-hmm. and they oh, cool. do all sorts of little name puns. I am holding off on that episode because there was one point in time where the vice president of the Jane Goodall Foundation for whatever reason, emailed my Potterless account being like, hey, I'm a big Harry Potter guy. Could I come on the show? And I was like, uh, I'm kind of all, like, it was at the point where I was like pretty much done with stuff and I it didn't seem relevant. But I was like, I do have a charity podcast. Would you and Jane want to go head to head on that? Ha ha ha. And then he goes, yeah, let me go talk to Jane real quick. And then it just never materialized. But at least we live in a world where Jane Goodall knows this podcast exists and at least maybe was interested. Yeah. yeah. I got to continue to follow up as I do once a year. Uh, and I have not heard back from him. <laughs> Just get Jane to try to figure out what the hell a podcast is. They could very much just be watching every episode of Scooby Doo in preparation, but they're not going to do it until <sighs> until they've watched them all. <sighs> I'm going to email this guy again. I'm going to email him tomorrow morning and <laughs> just be like, hey, remember that time? Now, Cougar Forest is here. He is a pro golfer. He is voiced by Tom Kenny. Here's a bonus point. Anyone know who Tom Kenny is the voice of? Uh, no, no, no. SpongeBob SquarePants. Oh my goodness! <laughs> yeah. What an amazing cast. <laughs> so, so incredible. They get such wonderful actors on this. Miranda then ties Shaggy's shoes together before oh. the scene ends. Oh. I don't know what she was hoping <gasps> to show. accomplish here. Poor show. Like he falls over, but like he would just untie them, so it's not like <laughs> yeah. a huge setback. Yeah, she's done that too soon. Like she needs to do it later on. Right. Really, golf also a sport that you can actually like you can play. With your feet in one place. Like, you don't even need to step forward to golf. Especially putting. Yes. Putting is, of any of the strokes in golf, putting is the one where your feet are the closest. You'd be totally fine. Miranda, Miranda, you can't even cheat properly. A very poor sport. Yeah, Yeah. come on, Miranda, get it together. So the competition begins. Miranda yells at the groundskeeper for getting in the way of her putt. He sasses her. The mayor tells him that that's not very becoming of a groundskeeper. And he says, ah, don't worry about it. I don't plan on being the groundskeeper for long. Okay. He then sees Daphne, Fred, and Velma looking at a large tarp, and he asks them, are you meddling, kids? Which is great. They always throw in some meddling stuff every episode. It's very fun. They say no, but they were intrigued by all the caution tape and think there might be a mystery afoot. Daphne asks what happened. Gary says nothing, just an accident on Hole 18 last night that got a bit messy. 
He then asks them to help him remove the tarp, and underneath is the giant robotic clown, and it terrifies Velma. And then we see a flashback of a traumatic experience that she had with a clown destroying her encyclopedia set that she received as a gift at her fifth birthday party. The flashback is at the party. The whole gang is there. I'm so glad they've been friends since they were five years old, at least. And he put all of these encyclopedias into a giant paper shredder to make Uh, confetti. Why? Apparently, using a giant paper shredder is like his thing. It's like his bit. And it was just bad luck on Velma's part. (laughs) What? Fred asks the exact same question. Immediately after having this flashback recounted, Fred goes, tough luck that your parents hired the one clown whose bit is throwing stuff into a giant paper shredder. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. That's a terrible party for her. She's God, traumatized. Velma's parents just don't care. They just, just don't care. They aren't on top of it enough. So we learn from this that Velma suffers from extreme fear slash aversion to clowns. And here's another bonus point. Does anyone know what the phobia name of that is? I think it is chlorophobia. I'm not sure if I'm saying that right. That is correct. It is Coolrophobia, C-O-U-L-R-O-phobia. So that yeah. is a bonus point for Beth. You're now up six to two. <gasps> oh, <dear. laughs> okay. So we get a mini golf <laughs> montage, and this course is absurd. It's a truly ridiculous course. And Shaggy is winning, Cougar is in second, and Miranda is losing at about the halfway point, and she is furious. Mm-hmm. Towards the end of the round, the huge robot clown shows up and it interrupts one of Shaggy's shots. Shaggy then is able to use his putter to hit a giant bag of popcorn into the robotic clown's face, and then a flock of birds is attracted to it and starts pecking at the clown, who runs off. Shaggy is just in ultimate form in this episode because he really wants to win the putting competition, so he basically is just really forward about trying to solve the mystery, which is not his vibe normally. (laughs) Do they eat popcorn during golf tournaments? So not a thing. One of the holes that he was putting at was a giant popcorn tower that also had bags of popcorn around it. And then he took one of them. And of course, it's real popcorn, not prop popcorn around it. That must be covered in birds at all times. (laughs) What a hell. Who restocks (sighs) that every day? What a job. What a, the, the groundskeeper. The groundskeeper. Well, that's a motivation. <laughs> he's not sticking it out. That is yeah. a motivation to turn into a giant robot clown. <laughs> so the mayor comes in saying that they have to suspend play until the clown situation is under control. Cougar is sad because he's on a tight schedule and he just starts listing off all of the major golf tournaments. He's like, I got to play at Augusta. I got to play in the British Open. <laughs> like He's on a tight schedule. He can't have delays. The mayor says, look, I can do whatever I want. I'm the mayor. I'm suspending play until further notice. Miranda tells Shaggy that he better pray that it gets canceled because she's only getting warmed up and she's going to come back and win this tournament. Shaggy, all in on cracking the case, even ignores free food. Velma and Scooby are scared, so they stay behind while Shaggy, Daphne, and Fred look for clues. When they're looking for clues, they overhear the mayor arguing with his son, who turns out to be the groundskeeper. Good lord. And the mayor is tired of hearing the groundskeeper, we learn his name is Gary, he's tired of hearing Gary's lofty dreams about being a mini-golf legend. And the mayor calls Gary an embarrassment. And the argument ends with Gary the groundskeeper saying that he's going to join the international putt-putt tour and there's nothing his dad can do about it. Yeah, good on him. Good on him. Wow. That, that this episode is filled with terrible parenting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not ideal stuff. So they both leave in a huff and the three 
people from Mystery Inc. sneak into the shed of the groundskeeper, and inside they see a poster of Shaggy pinned to the wall, which seems very interesting. Shaggy then says Jinkies when he sees the poster, and at this point I realized, oh, Shaggy and Velma have flipped places, where Velma is scared of clowns, so she doesn't want to solve the crime at all, and Shaggy needs the crime to be solved so that he can win the tournament of course. So they have completely flipped. And to assume, does that mean Velma is eating loads of giant sandwiches? You have nailed it. I'm going to give you a bonus point for correctly guessing what? the exact next scene, which is what? giant sandwich and cotton candy eating with Scooby. <laughs> Uh, you need points. I'm a comedy writer. Yes. <laughs> yes. So yeah, they are eating all sorts of food. And while eating, they find Miranda arc welding inside of a van, which is incredibly unsafe. I had a brief stint of being an engineer before as a full-time podcaster. I took an arc welding course in college. Arc welding inside of a van, it's very high on the list of things you should not do. What is you are arc, arc welding? Uh, you know the one where you put like a, a mask big mask with the rectangle yeah. and then it sparks? Yeah. Uh -huh. yeah. You're doing that above something that has gasoline inside of it? Right, yeah. <laughs> That's okay, terrible. very worrying. <laughs> Absolutely terrible. No, she she is making some sort of machinery, and she says that this will keep her out of second place forever. Velma notes that finding clues usually leads to the monster arriving, so she asks Scooby, what do you do in order to not look for clues? So Scooby brings Velma to the baseball batting cages, because in addition to Putt-Putt, this place has all the other sorts of things you would assume, <laughs> like go-karts and batting cages and all those sorts of American classics. <laughs> so they go to the batting cages, and he starts putting individual pizza slices into the pitching machine, and then she high-speed eats pizza, catching it in her mouth, oh. and then tells Scooby, if I knew how much fun not solving mysteries was, I'd be hanging out with you and Shaggy way more often. <laughs> oh, no, 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 Velma, no, 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 don't, no. no we need you. <laughs> Stay true to yourself, Velma. You're so crucial. <laughs> Get back on the wagon. Oh, Velma, no. Awful. This is tragic. <laughs> so, so, of course, even though they are eating, the clown shows up and we get a big chase scene. And Cougar, the golfer, gets eaten by the clown during the chase scene. Whoa. After they successfully flee the clown, the mayor then holds a nighttime press conference of sorts, saying that he is canceling the tournament because there was another clown attack. Shaggy is upset and vows to solve the mystery. The gang comes across Gary, the groundskeeper, working on a machine in his garage. Shaggy asks what it is and Gary is offended that Shaggy doesn't recognize him. Apparently, we learn from Gary that Shaggy beat him in his first ever putt-putt championship, and his confidence has been shot ever since, and he's just never been the same putt-putt golfer. Huh. He says that all he was doing was fixing a go-kart for the event space, as handiwork is all he does now, but he vows to defeat Shaggy in putt-putt when he returns to the International Putt-Putt Tour. Then Shaggy says, okay, let's set up a trap and we'll use Scooby and Velma as bait, which confuses Fred because he's the one who makes the traps. Daphne bribes Scooby with a Scooby snack. Velma cannot be bribed with a Scooby snack, but instead Daphne bribes her with a CD version of the encyclopedia set that was destroyed when she was Aww. five, and it's an updated version. Aww. So Velma, very excited. Very, very excited. She deserves them. <laughs> <laughs> so the two of them drive off in a go-kart, and the clown is then, you know, chasing after them. The clown, though, eats Shaggy in this process, and that <gasps> really 
scares Shaggy, and seeing her best friend get devoured by the clown infuriates Velma, who overcomes her fear of clowns and attacks the clown, knocking it down. Shaggy then emerges from the clown unharmed, though he has returned to terrified form because it was pretty spooky oh. getting eaten by a giant mm-hmm. robotic clown. Velma then is able to let us know who is behind controlling the giant robotic clown, so I turn it over to the two of you. Who do you think is behind the mystery? <gasps> mm-hmm. David, would you like me to recap the suspects? <laughs> yeah, I think you should. Okay, so we have Cougar Forrest, a very serious golf player who unfortunately was in fact eaten, but as we learned last time, that doesn't necessarily rule him out. And I will say at the beginning, I didn't note, Shaggy basically asks him, why are you even here? You're a professional golfer. And he says that it will help with his putting, and it's always good to like try different things to make his golf game more well-rounded. So for him, it's like, look, it's still golf. It's weird and bizarre, but maybe this will help me. So that's his motivation for even participating. Right, so it's not beneath him. He's got to keep his putt-putt at the top, top level. (laughs) Gotcha. Okay, so there's him. There's Miranda Wright, who seems somewhat unhinged. Oh, well done. Yeah, she welds in her vehicle. She is a really bad sport and ties people's laces together. She wants to win a lot. Then we have a father and son duo. We have the mayor, who recently called off the tournament, and his son, who is currently the groundskeeper, who met Shaggy very early in his career, not career, of being a golfer, which is all he wants to be, and was beaten by him, and he's really sad about it. So, he also has mechanical knowledge. So does Miranda Wright. Um, Have I missed anybody? Nope, you got it. And this is why I do What's New Scooby-Doo for these episodes, because they always have four suspects, and they're all equally suspicious. It's just just tee up home run for the podcast. It's great. There's only three seasons of the show, so when we eventually run out of episodes, I will be crushed. It's so good. I'm delighted that it's happening. I think we're very lucky to be doing Scooby-Doo. Absolutely. I remember the days when there was a series of the 13 Ghosts of Scooby-Doo where the guest star in every episode was Vincent Price. (gasps) And it was Vincent Price playing Vincent Van Gogh. And he was like, he helped them out. And so Scooby-Doo interacted with the real Vincent Price, voicing basically himself in every episode. I am going to have to find those and do those in the future. Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. Terrific stuff. Vincent Price. Vincent Van Gogh. What a name. (laughs) Vincent Van Gogh. He's so good. Such such a good (laughs) show. I've got a pitch as to who I think it is. This is a sensible guess because you need the points. Mm -hmm. I do need Mm -hmm. the points. And it is a sensible guess. I'm going to go for, I think... Contrary to my statement earlier that he was engaging in entirely bad parenting. In fact, it might still be bad parenting, but I think it could be the mayor. Mm-hmm. But I think he's doing it for the reason of he loves his son in a very strange way. I think he's doing all this to try and call this off, to bring an end to his son's madcap dream of only mm-hmm. wanting to be a, a mini golf player. I Aww. think maybe he believes that his son isn't actually good enough. He was beaten by Shaggy all those years ago. He knows how much it hurt him. And he just, he's trying to get rid of that dream because he... He doesn't want to see his son go through that again. And so he's trying to scare people away and close this down forever so his son will give up the golfing dream and put his life into something else. It's it's not perhaps the best plan he should have been pursuing. He probably should have sat down with his son and maybe like spent some time with him or maybe get a therapist involved. I don't know. But he's gone for the robotic clown hole maneuver, as we call it in the professional <laughs> world. <laughs> and um, I think that I think it's him. Interesting. Okay. All right. Got your guess in there, Beth. Who do you think it is? 
That's a very sad story that David has spun for us. I'm going to go for Miranda Wright. I don't quite know why the solution to her problems would be a mechanical clown that eats people, but I think we have plenty of evidence that she is a bad sport, that she will do mendacious and violent things at the drop of a hat. So I think something about her wanting to win and being generally quite hostile towards everyone else. (laughs) And plus having, having... some familiarity with robotics, maybe, or engineering. She might be able to do it, even if I don't quite know okay. what. Okay. Well, I am happy to say that one of you is correct, and that is <gasps> David. You nailed it. A hundred percent person, motive, everything. Just oh. straight up. It was exactly that. He wanted to ruin mini golf because mini golf ruined his son's life. So he wanted to oh. shut down the tournament and just, you know, make a mockery of the premier putt-putt championship so that maybe it would be left in the dust and he could pursue something else instead of this silly dream. It's just been all-consuming of his life. So yeah, a kind of a sweet thing to then cause some chaos. And thankfully, no one got hurt in the process. But yeah, a heartfelt reasoning. And he clearly cares because that putt-putt tournament was presumably bringing in a lot of tourism mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, for his mm-hmm. area. And he mm-hmm. is the man. He has prioritized his son over right? everything else, including yeah. his own Not personal game. Not like the man Jaws would do. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Good yeah. no, quite right, quite right. Mm-hmm. So, well, you know what? Maybe this is a, a story of love. This is a good father-son story about robotic clowns in golf, which is what should be on every night of the week. <laughs> you know, it's a good one. Now, here's what's very interesting. That leaves our score at six to six, meaning we are <gasps> going to the sudden death riddle to determine... No. Who wins the episode? Okay. So here's how it's going to work. I will present the riddle because it's a podcast and audio medium. We will just go with audible buzzing. So, you know, just say buzz to buzz in. Mm -hmm. And then I will let you answer. The other person will have a chance to steal it. Very family feud rules. If both of you are incorrect or if neither of you can come up with a guess, I'll move on to another riddle. So here is (laughs) the riddle. What can travel all around the world? Without ever leaving its corner. Hmm. Ding. Yes. Is it is it a rumor? Okay, that is one guess. Beth, do you have <laughs> the incorrect one? An incorrect oh, one. <laughs> what can travel all around the world without ever leaving its corner? <sighs> I don't know. Okay, the answer is. A stamp. <gasps> oh, we'll go on Very to good. another riddle. Outrageous. Outrageous. Sudden death riddle number two. What has a bottom at the top? What has a bottom at the top? What has a bottom? <laughs> <laughs> Stop laughing, David. <laughs> now, it seemed a great idea to have a tiebreak for drama, and now the the pitfall of podcasting is us trying to guess riddles. The power of editing. Perfect silence. The power of editing. I can, can get rid made. of the perfect silence, but if you do make words talking about how bad you are, I can't hide that from the listeners. <laughs> yes. I think, I think I know what okay. it is. What do you think it is? I think the thing that has a bottom at the top would be Legs. That is correct, Beth. You have oh, won this episode yes. of Meddling Adults. Oh, right so up fast. bottom at the top is a yes. pair of legs. Very oh, good. wow, Beth, good, you have Beth. done it, yeah. meaning you have narrowly, narrowly won this episode seven to six, and you have earned some money for Rainbow Migration. How does it feel to reign supreme? 
It felt so good. It was such a narrow victory. I didn't think I would win at all there. So well done, David. You were brilliant. Yes. I can't believe well, I won. Well deserved win. Well deserved. <laughs> David, well well fought. Valiant effort. So close. We had to come down to the sudden death riddle. You put up a great, Absolutely. great fight. Good stuff. <laughs> Oh, man. Well, thank you both so much for joining. Obviously, you both work on a wonderful podcast that is, didn't it recently just celebrate, at least the time of recording, an an anniversary, Wooden Overcoats, which I think is one of, if not the funniest podcast that exists. If you want to pitch that or anything else for the people at home, you know, Beth and I have our D&D stream that we do biweekly. But if people enjoyed hearing you on this episode and they want more from you, you know, where else can people find you? You can also find me on Life with Leo, a podcast from Atypical Artists, which has just finished its second season. It's a rom-com with robots. It's by Octavia Bray, and it's brilliant. And also doing D&D streaming on Twitch uh, with Mike Schubert, Emma Jajarko, and our DM, Gabrielle Bina, who's made us this wonderful fantasy world. We are three heroes racing against the clock to save the world, and we are doing alternate Wednesdays, and it is a good time come watch yeah it's called 20 to midnight and you can search for that wherever you get your stuff the episodes are on twitch and youtube as well what about you david where can people find you well as i say uh, wooden overcoats it's the podcast wooden overcoats celebrated uh, eight years uh, recently that's a sitcom about uh, rival funeral directors uh, on an island uh, stars beth air alongside various other lovely people including felix trench and tom crowley if you also you know, if you've had four seasons of that and if you go my word you know 40 50 episodes this just isn't enough david k barnes comedy you can also find cry havoc ask questions later that is a show currently in release from uh, rusty quill which is a comedy series about basically the fall of the roman republic and uh, cleopatra's involvement in that it's historical comedy with uh, murders assassinations orgies gladiators all sorts of things all the excitement you could want and that has uh, lots of terrific actors in it including our own beth air in that show as well so if you listen to both shows that's all the beth all the beth you could want but there's even more Beth you could want. <laughs> it never ends, the amount of Beth you could it want. It is it's pretty endless. All Beth, it's all the everywhere. time. everywhere. <laughs> all Beth, all the time. Solving mysteries. Everywhere. Yay! Fighting crime. (laughs) Well, thank you both so much for joining. This was a delight. Listeners, thank you for listening. And, you know, hopefully, even though you are in separate rooms now, hopefully when you, you know, converge together, there won't be too much bickering between the two of you. Too lovely. Just about makeup. (laughs) (laughs) Too lovely. Meddling. Round four. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Meddling Adults. This podcast is created, hosted, and executive produced by me, Mike Schubert. Our producer and editor is Sherry Guo. The music is by Bettina Campamanas and Brandon Grugel. The art is by Maayan Atias and Kelly Schubert. And the web design is by me and Kelly Schubert. Make sure you subscribe to Meddling Adults wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss our next episode. If you want to tell folks about the show, that is a great way to help the show. It also does help the show raise money for charity because every download does bring in ad money and that goes towards the charity. So simply telling a friend about it, posting about it on social media, leaving us a rating and review on whatever podcasting app you're using, all of those things really do help. Maybe remind one of your friends if they listen to the show, hey, did you know season 4B is going on? Oh my gosh, no way. All of these things really help. And if you do any of them, I would very much appreciate it. But I just hope you tune in next week as we have a very special episode. We are having a duel between 
two musicians that are very near and dear to my heart, Gabe Baker and our very own Bettina Campomanes. So stay tuned for that next Wednesday here on Meddling Adults. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did to create this ad. To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai.